Welcome Radio presents the Vocable Hour. Poems and prose from our hearts to yours. With Ali Croker, Fiona Gulech and Danny Mazevich. Broadcasting every Monday evening from 6 till 7. Well, hi there, dear listener. I am delighted today to be joined by two very special guests. The first of my guests we're going to say hello to is Kira Tyra. Hello, Kira. Hello. And my other guest is Warwick Wills. Hello, Warwick. Hello, Graham. How, How are, you? are you today, Warwick? Oh, I'm very good. That's very nice of you. Politeness costs nothing. Good. <laughs> no, I'm good. You well? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good. Have you met Kira? Uh, no, never in my life. Never in your life? <laughs> Not once. Oh, well, that's no. the I don't know who this no. man is. That's broken yeah, the no. ice. Good. No. Good. So it's good. all this is all going to go swimmingly. <laughs> Kira, have you met me before? Uh, no, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone a winner. Uh, and uh, and uh, let me introduce myself uh, to this edition of the Vocable, Vocable Hour, Danny Masevich, a.k.a. Graham Tyre. And, and this is very, very exciting for me because it isn't just me sharing poems today, but also as I've just introduced my two guests. So we're going to be hearing poetry choices from across the generations. First of all, from, I wonder, dear listener, if you can detect who chose which poems and which have been the choices of young people. What would you guess, dear listener, would be the poetry choices of people who are aged 16, 17? Well, shall we find out? Kira, what is your first poem? My first poem is called Where the Picnic Was. Away you go. Where we made the fire in the summertime of branch and briar on the hill to the sea, I slowly climb through winter mire and scan the trace, the forsaken place quite readily. Now a cold wind blows and the grass is grey, but the spot still shows as a circle burnt. I and stick ends charred still strew the sward, whereon I stand, less relic of the band who came that day. Yes, I am here just as last year, and the sea breathes brine from its strange straight line, up hither the same as when we four came. But two have wandered far from this grassy rise into urban roar where no picnics are, and one has shut her eyes forevermore. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Now, who, who wrote that, uh, Kira? Uh, I'm not sure. I picked it out of a book of a compilation of poems. Ah. And did you, what, what led you to that one? Do you, and did you, do you want to say why you chose that one? Um, or a favourite line from pretty that Pretty imagery. Pretty imagery. Pretty like, what, imagery. What you, that sounds a bit teacherish. I do it does. I feel like I'm back in my GCSEs. Yes, yes, yes. What, what, any line in there that made you... It's very rich in pictures, isn't it? I like... It's got a lot of sound in there as well, hasn't it? Which is good for the radio, obviously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like clumps of sound. Yeah. So, let's go... Let's now hear... Thank you, Kira. And beautifully read. My, beautifully my read. pleasure. Is this the... Have you, have you read before on the uh, radio Not at all? once in my life. Not once? Not Gosh, once. you wouldn't know, would you? But you do do... I don't know why I have. I do know the answers <laughs> to these questions, yes. in fact. But you also do. What do you? What is it you do with your life? I study acting at college. Yes. yes. Uh, which college is that? Stratford College. And uh, are you enjoying it? Yes. What do you like about it? <laughs> I don't know. This is so it many going very well. Um. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying the creativity of it and exploring new things and i'm enjoying the fact that we get to work with drama schools sometimes. Ah, which ones have you worked with um we've worked with fourth monkey ah, uh, yeah, I, I, remember haven't, that. I haven't heard of fourth monkey what do you what 
What was what did you what did you like about working with them? Um, they had a really interesting approach that I've never seen before. But um, it was the first time I'd done an acting workshop that had actually shown me how to do what I love properly. Ah, ah. What kind of acting do you like doing more than? I like feeling through movement. Ooh, what does that mean? Using movement to create a feeling. Uh, well, <laughs> literally, it's just. Is... Yeah. Fe uh, conjuring emotions through the, your movement. Your movement leads to the emotions rather than the emotions lead to the movement. Wow. I was going to ask you to demonstrate, but that would make <laughs> the best radio. Look it? up Jacques Lecoq. Who? Jacques Lecoq. Ah, yes. He's yes. Oh, gosh, yes. I jolly well will. Well, thank you very much, Kira. We'll You're hear welcome. more from you later. Favourite plays. <laughs> Favorite actors, favorite Gosh, okay. uh, stage writers, and things you've yes. been in, etc. Now let us hear from you, Warwick. Hello, hello again. Hello. Now, what are you going to read to us? Uh, I'm going to read a poem, Badger, written by John Clare. When midnight comes, a host of dogs and men go out and track the badger to its den, and put a sack within his hole and lie, till the old grunting badger passes by. His he comes and hears. They let the strongest loose. The old fox hears the noise and drops the goose. The poacher shoots and hurries from the cry, and the old hare, half wounded, buzzes by. They get a forked stick to bear him down, and clap the dogs and take him to the town, and bait him all the day with many dogs, and laugh and shout and fright the scampering hogs. He runs along and bites all that he meets. He, they shout and hollow down the noisy streets. He turns about to face the loud uproar and drives the rebels to their very door. The frequent stone is hurled where they go, when badgers fight and then everyone's a foe. The dogs are clapped and urged to join the fray, the badger turns and drives them all away. Though scarcely half as big, demure and small, he fights with dogs for hours and beats them all. The heavy mastiff, savage in the fray, lies down and licks its feet and turns away. The bulldog knows its match and waxes cold. The badger grins and never leaves his hold. He drives the crowd and follows at their heels and bites them through the drunkard swears and reels. The frighted women take boys away. The blackguard laughs and hurries in the fray. He tries to reach the woods, an awkward race, but sticks and cudgels quickly stop the chase. He turns again and drives the noisy crowd, and beats the many dogs in the loud, and the noise is loud. He drives away and beats them every one, and they then let then and then they loose them all and set them on. He falls as dead and kicked by boys and men. Then starts and grins and drives the crowd again. Till kicked and torn and beaten out he lies and leaves his hold and cackles, groans and dies. Oh, what a shame. I thought that was going to have a happy ending for the badger. Yeah, I know. It, it, I, I think I, the reason why I sort of like picked this one, it just seemed very, I like the sort of descriptiveness of it. Yeah. It seemed very sort of um, impactful. Like as I was yes. reading it, it yes. conveyed a lot of emotion. Yes, about the badger's struggle. Yeah, his grip on life. Yeah. Why do people hunt badgers? 
Skin. Pardon? Skin. The skin? I don't agree with it. What but... did they want the badger skin for? Decoration. You're kidding. I've never heard of that. Okay. Yeah. No. Like, it sounds like it's just for, in that poem, it sounds like it's just for their own fun. It's yeah, that's that's sort of as I was reading it, I think I, I think that's kind of just what I what I depicted from it. It was like it seemed that they were just capti- or capturing this badger to make it fight and live out this sort of life of like defending itself, oh, hold, holding no. its ground. Yeah. It was yeah. It was very common, I think, wasn't it, in days gone by? when Because that, that poem's, what, uh, 18th century, I think, John Clare. I believe so, yeah. I've never heard it before, so thanks for the choice. Yeah, no problem. Um, let's get it quickly, before we go on to my poem, uh, dear listener, let's, sh- shall we shall we uh, delve a little deeper into the world of the of young people? In terms of <laughs> animals and so on, is this, is this uh, what is the kind of, you, you, or both of the other generations very different to my own. Is the attitude to animals very much as one suspects it is that they are to be cherished and protected and uh, and uh, you know um, regarded with extreme value because of the way the world is going? I mean, it depends on like the young person that you meet. I suppose. Sure. sure. Yeah. Amongst your depends. friends. <clears throat> I think it depends on friends. Yeah. But um, <laughs> no, I think that. We're at a point, as far as I'm aware of our generation, where we're kind of trying to fix the problems from older generations is the general consensus. Huh. And yeah. so, yeah, we do. I would, I've never met anyone who's cruel to an animal. No. Um, mm. yeah. What about things like horse racing and veganism and so on, do you? Uh, there's definitely... Is that a growing thing? Let's say, I mean, here we are in a horse racing town in um, many ways. But all that and and eating yeah. animals and so on is that something that I'd say there's young people who are steering away from these days. I'd say there's definitely like a definitely like an up, uprising in sort of um, in veganism. Like quite I said, in our age, we, we we have quite a few friends that are like vegetarian, oh, vegan. Really, um, but there is still a fair share of people who like their Big Macs and such. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think horse yeah. racing at all is something. I remember yeah. at Playbox we did a workshop on sports and as soon as we there we were told oh imagine you're at the races everyone was like making fun of people who go to horse ah, races ah. it's seen as elitist oh I wow think. that's interesting isn't it yeah this is playbox theater isn't it of yeah. course where you you go but where you don't go do you? Uh, no i don't know do you go to a youth theater at all you, or have you been to one when you were when you were i was gonna say growing up but of course you still are yeah i've um Come on, do you want to share how old you are, Barry? Uh, I'm 17. 17. And how old are you, Kira, if I didn't know? 17. 17, yeah. yeah. So what about, did you did you train in youth theatre, as Kira's um, done? I believe so. I went to um, an acting academy, so oh, I was about, about nine years old. Um, it was called uh, PQA, so that's oh. for Pauline Quirk Academy, and that was something that um, definitely, I think that definitely had like a heavy influence on how I sort of view theatre and perceived theatre. I remember... We used to do a lot of sort of projects, almost like every couple of years we would go to um, and perform in like the West End yes. in London. It was fantastic. Yeah. Gen- genuinely have some like happy wow. memories Wow, so you've been on stage on the West End. Yeah. I was going to show you the videos. The video, yes. <laughs> yes. Gosh, what oh, show God. was that in, by the way, um, before you were gone? It was a couple of like, what they were called, shows that were made by like the Academy themselves. Oh, so right written on. by, um, uh, what was it? Uh, written by some of them written i believe by pauline quirk herself oh i actually cool. got a chance to sort of like meet her a couple of Did times you? it was fantastic 
genuinely she's inspiring as people say she is amazing lady genuinely she's so nice and she set her academy up precisely to do what you've just experienced yeah it's genuinely mind-blowing i remember sat there i remember once i was like reading through a script just making sure i had my lines right you know as actors do backstage sometimes and i remember she i was about i want to say i was about 10 yeah and she'd basically sat down next to me and as i was reading as i was reading my script i'd be sat there for a really long time and then i just sort of turned to my left and just sort of say like oh hi and then realize that pauline quirk is sat next wow. to me and immediately go oh um hi wow. <laughs> it was very what did she say to you uh she just i think she just told me like good luck with the show, with the show. you know i think she'd said that she'd seen the first run through that we did of it and said that I was like, and that I, that I was a good performer, oh, wow. which, which meant a lot. Yeah, like, yes, like yes. Being, being told by, um, by like a brilliant actor such as herself that you're a good performer. It's like, wow, you know. doesn't come much better than that. It's like yeah. having Emily at Playbox say that you're a good actor, isn't it? Or Stuart yeah. McGill or somebody. Yes. Yeah. So. We'll Let's come back to you for, for a few more. Yes, indeed. We'll come back to you for a few more theatre reminiscences, if we may. And now, uh, dear listener, you would not deem it a sufficiently adequate programme if I didn't stick my oar in, would you? <laughs> and I've got a few poems I want to share with you on this programme. I can't bear to do a poetry programme without sharing something with you. And I'm going to share with you a poem from uh, Maya Angelou called A Rock, A River and A Tree. And then we will hear a piece of music chosen by my guests. So, here is A Rock, A River, A Tree by Maya Angelou. Hosts to species long since departed, Mark the Mastodon, the dinosaur, who left dry tokens of their sojourn here on our planet floor. Any broad alarm of their hastening doom is lost in the gloom of dust and ages, but today the rock cries out to us clearly, forcefully, come! You may stand upon my back and face your distant destiny, but seek no haven in my shadow. I will give you no hiding place down here. You, created only a little lower than the angels, have crouched too long in the bruising darkness, have lain too long face down in ignorance, your mouths spelling words armed for slaughter. The rock cries out today, you may stand on me, do not hide your face across the wall of the world. A river sings a beautiful song. Come, rest here by my side, each of you a bordered country, delicate and strangely made proud, yet thrusting perpetually under siege. Your armed struggles for profit have left collars of waste upon my shore currents of debris upon my breast and yet today i call you to my riverside if you will study war no more come clad in peace and i will sing the songs the creator gave to me when i and the tree and the stone were one before cynicism was a bloody seer across your brow and when you yet knew you still knew nothing the river sings and sings on there is a true yearning to respond to the singing river and the wise rock so say the asian the hispanic the jew the african the native american the Sioux. 
the Catholic, the Muslim, the French, the Greek, the Irish, the rabbi, the priest, the sheikh, the gay, the straight, the preacher, the privileged, the homeless, the teacher. They hear. They all hear the speaking of the tree. Today, the first and last of every tree speaks to mankind. Come to me. Here beside the river, plant yourself beside me, here beside the river. Each of you, descendant of some passed-on traveller, has been paid for. You, who gave me my first name, you Pawnee, Apache and Seneca, you Cherokee nation who rested with me, then forced on bloody feet, left me to the employment of other seekers, desperate for gain, starving for gold. You the Turk, the Swede, the German, the Scot, you, the Ashanti, the Yoruba, the crew, bought, sold, stolen, arriving on a nightmare, praying for a dream. Here, root yourselves beside me. I am the tree, rooted by the river, which will not be moved. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Lift up your faces. You have a piercing need for this bright morning dawning for you. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived. And if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Lift up your eyes upon the day, breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. Women, children, men, take it into the palm of your hands, mould it into the shape of your most private need, sculpt it into the image of your most public self, lift up your hearts. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. Do not be wedded forever to fear, yoked eternally to brutishness. The horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Here, on this pulse of the fine day, you may have the courage to look up and out upon me, the rock, the river, the tree, your country. No less to Midas than the mendicant, no less to you now than the mastodon then. Here, on the pulse of this new day, you may have the grace to look up and out and into your sister's eyes, into your brother's face, your country, and say simply, very simply, with hope, good morning. Oh,
Spite of all the danger by the quarrymen, and uh, this poem here is called "Your" by Sylvia Plath. Clown-like happiness on your hands, fleets to the stars and moon scold. Gild like fish, a common sense, thumbs down on the dodo's mode. Wrapped up in yourself like a spool, trawling your dark as owls do. Mute as a turnip from the 4th of July to All Fool's Day. O high riser, my little loaf. Vague as a fog and looked for a male farther off than Australia. Bent back Atlas, our travelled prawn. Snug as a bud at night home like a sprat in a pickled junk. A creel of eels and ripples. Jumpy as a Mexican bean, right, like a well-done sum, a clean slate with your face on. Gosh, I love it when poems end and you think, oh God, I want some more. Yeah, no, it, that, that's, I think that's quite the nice thing about that poem is it, it does leave you sort of, it doesn't give you too much. It leaves you with this yes. sort of, yes. um, I guess almost it's almost as if, as if it's like a desperation for me yes. sometimes it's quite yeah very because she was a very sad lady wasn't she yeah, yeah, Sylvia, Plath. Sylvia Plath yeah nice she had a very uh, tragic life of course but that she did, poem yeah. like, what do you think of that, about that poem is that a sad poem or not or? it's kind of it almost seems like a sort of mixture of emotions yes. really some yes. of it seems like it talks about sort of joy and happiness and then it sometimes going goes into almost like a, a despair almost wow yeah yeah. You know, just before, let's get philosophical for a moment before we go into Kira's poem. But this is again something since we don't often, I don't often interview young people in this uh, in this program. In fact, you're the only people I ever have in this pro on this program. But sometimes people say, oh, well, young people, how do they manage given everything that's going on in the world? But I suppose it's only what you know, isn't it, really? What, how do you cope with the stuff that happens in the news and so on? We're not really sure, really. We, we don't usually, cope. We usually, we usually just sort of 
I think it's a lot of the time. I I sort of tend to think it's ne- it's not necessarily that we have much to kind of compare it to with mm. previous generations. So we have it. So it's like we we tend to sort of barely <laughs> cope with the sort of situations going on. It's very. Mm. Are you optimistic about the future, or indifferent, or not, or really not one thing or the other, or pessimistic, or? I think the f- the thing is about the future is that it's personally with me i tend to sort of i tend to try and be optimistic about the future as Uh much as as much as there's things in the news that you know stuff to do with like war and just all all, everything that's sort of going awful at the moment in the world i tend to sort of try and be optimistic that it's you know it's not the end you know Yes, what's that saying? It'll be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. It's Everything not will be okay in the, the end. end. It's not okay. It's not, it's okay. not the end. Absolutely yeah, right. Uh, well, I, do, I think I stole it from somebody else. Oh, Kira, would you, you like to share with us your next poem? Thank you for that, Warwick. I would love to. My next poem is called A Blade of Grass. Oh, I know this um, one, yes. Brian yeah. Patton. Yes, one of my favourite poets. Yes. yes, I love it. Are you going to do the Liverpool accent? No, okay. I'm not, okay. um, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Okay. Pardon me. You ask for a poem and I offer you a blade of grass. You say it is not good enough, you ask for a poem. I say this blade of grass will do, it has dressed itself in frost. It is more immediate than any image of my making. You say it is not a poem, it is a blade of grass. And grass is not quite good enough. I offer you a blade of grass. You are indignant. You say it is too easy to offer grass, it is absurd. Anyone can offer a blade of grass. You ask for a poem and so I write you a tragedy about how a blade of grass becomes more and more difficult to offer and about how as you grow older, a blade of grass becomes more difficult to accept. How interesting. A blade of grass as you get older becomes more difficult to accept. Does that apply to you, Kira? Do you think? Do you find blade the metaphor of the blade of grass? Do you find that? Do you find that the case? Whatever that stands for in your mind? I think. Um, I mean, okay. First of all, essentially, I think that the whole metaphor of blade of grass, sort of, I to me, it speaks about how the older you get and the more experience you get, the more you want. Gosh. Um. And how this is, I don't know if this sounds, uh, I might have just made this up and gone completely off um, and interpreted it entirely incorrectly. But to me, it's when I first read the poem, it made me think about how the way one loves and the way one receives love can be entirely mm. different. Wow. The way one shows love to people may be completely different to the way one needs to receive it. you or two people who love each other might have completely different languages of love and how it's about working with that because you might give somebody the most meaningful important personal gesture and to you that is your love and to them they don't understand or vice versa someone might pour out their heart to you and you feel nothing because it's not the way you need to be loved yeah. Wow. Not to get deep or anything. No, that's, that's, um, no, that's very strong. It struck me. Getting, go up, work. Poetry, poetry is getting deep, though. Poetry that, is deep. That's what I love. Poetry yeah. is all about yeah. sort of conveying emotion yeah. through text. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Nice. 
in ways sometimes that ordinary speech cannot be. Yeah. yeah. However, while you were both talking, it struck me that if you wrote down everything that you just said, you in answer to the pessimism question and optimism question, and you in answer to or on, on the love thing that you developed, yeah. if you actually wrote that down and printed it, you actually would have a poem. Anything can be a poem. Anything can. Anything be. can be a poem if you read it like a poem. Indeed. Exactly. You, you go ahead and work. I could, yeah. You could literally read anything, and as, as long as it's it has that sort of like emotion, because the whole. I think one thing that I view sort of with poetry is that it's it's definitely whoever's written it. Like for example, with like uh, the previous poem that I, I'd read of like Sylvia Plath, mm. and like obviously like you mentioned, her life was was very sort of almost tragic. It was like it wasn't a very nice life, and a lot of it I think is poetry can also be used as sort of like a coping mechanism yeah with like sort of dealing with sort of emotions issues with mental health it definitely yeah. can help with sort of dispensing or expelling emotion it's onto paper when because I, I was a teacher as, as uh, you may know mm -hmm. but um i used to think oh gosh i'm so glad i'm teaching this poetry it's the most important thing but do people does it put people off? You know, when you, mm -hmm. when you clearly, it hasn't put you completely off, otherwise you wouldn't have gone for a research for these poems here. But when you would, without wishing to know where the, school, the schools were that you were at, what did you think about the way you were taught it, Kira? Um. Oh, there's a bit of a silence there, dear, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> Except when I taught you poetry during lockdown, that was very, very effective. Yes, mm. I think... I've always loved poetry. When I was like a lot younger, I had like notebooks that were my poetry notebooks oh, when I wrote poetry. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and then I was taught poetry in school. <laughs> because you're... Uh, how do I, uh, politely. Um, yes. School squashes emotion and poetry releases emotion and you Ooh, can't mix it yeah. in environments. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Peter's nodding as well because Peter was in education and has a very strong heart for creativity, don't you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. How can you be expected to be creative in an environment that wants you to be conformative? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you better write that down. And put, no. it on your, put it on your Insta. I'll get it tattooed. No, don't do that. The nail has hit the head. Warwick, teaching, <laughs> yeah. the, teaching po the teaching of poetry. I'm not having a go at teachers. It's very hard for teachers no, to do it. Yeah. It's quite, um, I guess, like, the education system kind of as a whole is it, it does it does definitely sort of um squash a lot of creativity it definitely when it comes to sort of even stuff to do with like even performing art like yeah. painting i know like i know i know people um like for example like um, my sister she did she studied art in school and stuff like that and all of her sort of creativity come from it was squashed because it was stuff was deemed either deemed too controversial or deemed too like it, it was always it had to be essentially just a blank how can art colonist. ever be wrong exactly <laughs> things like that and, and it's same with poetry mm. like it like it can't like with with poetry whatever you write it can't be wrong it can't be like incorrect because it's 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 your thoughts it's yes. your emotions yeah it's, it's what it's what you're thinking yes it, it, like and you nothing that you think can be like incorrect like that's mm. not correct you know can i push back on that one bit 
What if you have a racist thought, though? That's incorrect, isn't it? Oh, no, those are definitely incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Or it's not a racist, let's just put out that statement no, now. No, I know, I know, absolutely, <laughs> he isn't. Absolutely, he's the most progressive person. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, you know, can, should you allow people to express thoughts that are not in agreement with your own? I believe that it's, a, a lot of people, when I tend to sort of interact, especially with a lot of us in the, like, sort of younger generation, we, one word, that one sentence that I've heard a lot with people sort of my age is you can't say that you can't say this yes you can um what do you mean I I was like as in if you say something that's sort of deemed either too offensive too controversial because you're young sometimes or it tends to be just sort of because people will take offense and um one thing that I was always sort of raised on is uh yes you can say that but there are consequences freedom freedom of speech does not equal freedom of consequence that was always the thing I was grown up grown up with saying we're getting so i could so i could say something that is deemed offensive yeah but it's offensive someone will take offense to it that's that's the sort of idea of it is that you will say something but you won't necessarily be a good person for saying that um i think the pope said say what steady steady now i know (laughs) it's a quote from the pope um Say what you want about my mother, but don't expect not to be punched in the face if you insult her. I don't think the Pope said that. We were taught it in RE. Yeah. We were taught that in RE at school. Which Pope was that? Jeff Pope from, <laughs> you know. No, honestly. That is, that is what the but Pope But that sentiment is accurate, isn't it? Yeah. It's free. You can say, like, oh, you can't say that. Yes, I can. I can say it, but I can't expect not to have a reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very helpful indeed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to share my poem now, okay. uh, and it is um, a, 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 an extract from a very long poem, which I'm not going to do the whole of, sadly, and then we'll hear another piece of music. This is from a poem called, actually, if we had your one next, have we had, because we had Warwick, didn't we? Have, yeah. have we had yours? Yeah, we had, yeah, we had. I just about the of course, the Vader Grass, yes. By the way, that I only mentioned that because I wanted to get my story in about Brian Patton. I met him once at a, a poetry reading with a couple of other Liverpool poets, and he was a real hero of mine at the time. And as is often the way, dear listener, you may have noticed this if you meet heroes of yours. Uh, I saw him, and it took me about 20 minutes after the show to pluck up courage to go and talk to him. And I went up to him in the end and said, uh, Hello, Brian. Um, um, um. <laughs> and he looked at me as so I was, had suddenly become ill. And uh, he said to me, yeah, yes, you've got a very strong Liverpool accent, um, Brian Patton. Well, they all did. It was a, it was a, a poetry reading called The Maisie Beat uh, with Roger McGough um, and Adrian Henry. And in the end, all I could manage to say was, I really love your poems. <laughs> <laughs> no man's vinyl deserves to be tossed in the drink. Nice. Wow. Yeah. No man's vinyl deter- deserves to be tossed in the drink. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that, you know, every piece of art is valuable. It's a phrase that I heard for the first time ever in a Liverpool accent. So oh, right. Huh? How interesting. So, uh, an extract from the Song of Hiawatha. I'm choosing American poems for my piece because of uh, it's Thanksgiving at the moment over in America, where they're, they're celebrating the founding of the of the um, Second Nation. I think it's it's called. So, oh, I love this um, Longfellow's Song of Hiawatha. Just a little, just a little morsel. 
O my children, my poor children, listen to the words of wisdom, listen to the words of warning from the lips of the Great Spirit, from the Master of Life who made you. I have given you lands to hunt in, I have given you streams to fish in, I have given you bear and bison, I have given you roe and reindeer, I have given you brant and beaver, filled the marshes full of wild fowl, filled the rivers full of fishes. Why are you not then contented? Why then will you hunt each other? I am weary of your quarrels, weary of your wars and bloodshed, weary of your prayers for vengeance, of your wranglings and dissensions. All your strength is in your union. All your danger is in discord. Therefore, be at peace henceforward, and as brothers live together. Gonna pick up the pieces and build a Lego house. If things go wrong, we can knock it down. My three words have two meanings, but there's one thing on my mind it's all for you. Mm. And it's dark in a cold December, but I got you to keep me warm. If you're broken, I will mend you And I keep you sheltered from the storm That's raging on now I'm out of touch I'm out of love I'll pick you up when you're getting down And out of all these things I've done I think I love you better now I'm out of sight I'm out of mind I'll do it all for you in time And out of all these things I've done I think I love you better now you on a wall and it's so hard to say it but i've been it before now i'll surrender up my heart and swap it for yours i'm out of touch i'm out of love i'll pick you up when you're getting down and out of all these things i've done i think i love you better now i'm out of sight i'm out of mind I'll do it all for you in time And out of all these things I've done I think I love you better now Don't hold me down I think the braces are breaking And it's more than I can take And it's dark in a cold December But I got you to give me boom If you're broken, I will mend you And I keep you sheltered from the storm that's raging on now I'm out of touch, I'm out of love I'll pick you up when you'll get down And out of all these things I've done I think I love you better now I'm out of sight, I'm out of mind I'll do it all for you in time 
That was Lego House by Ed Sheeran. Well, let's stay with you then, Kira, shall we? Okay. Would you like to share with us your next poem? I do. My next poem is an extract from an epic poem, The Odyssey. Ah. Yeah, it's one of my favourites. Tell me, muse, the stories of that resourceful man who was driven to wander far and wide after he had sacked the holy citadel of Troy. He saw the cities of many people and he learned their ways. He suffered great anguish on the high seas in his struggles to preserve his life and bring his comrades home. But he failed to save those comrades in spite of all his efforts. It was their own transgression that brought them to their doom. For in their folly they devoured the oxygen of Hyperion, the sun god, and he saw it that they would never return. Tell us this story, goddess, daughter of Zeus, beginning at whatever point you will. And again, I wanted that to go on and on. Always well, leave the audience wanting more. You've seen the size of the have, Feel yes. free to read on. Now again, you see a lot of people my age would say, Young people don't read this sort of very uh, high-regarded, highly-regarded literature. Why have you read that to us? It's a beautiful piece. I really love the way that Greek stories are written. Oh. I love to read stories and books about ancient Greece and about these heroes because I love the imagery in the text. One of my favourite books is called The Women of Troy. Oh, yeah. I have absolutely no idea what happens in the story, but it is written so beautifully. <laughs> That's a very good recommendation. Of course, you've been in some Greek theatre, haven't you? I have, and I love it. It's probably one of my favourite types of theatre. Some people say it's too gory, really, but how did, what did you think of it? It is gory. Why are you going to the theatre if you don't want to feel something? Gosh. Do you know what I mean? That's like, pretty good. I said, like I said to Warwick, um, cinema is for an experience, theatre is for an emotion. Oh, absolutely. The uh, cinema shows you a story, theatre makes you feel the story. Gosh, yeah. gosh, 100%. very, very. Do you agree with that, Warwick? Yes, hundred percent. Good. Remember, <laughs> what was it? I remember because I remember we were having this discussion of sort of the difference between. I think it was because we would, yeah, we were. I think we'd come back from watching a film in the cinema, I believe, and yeah. it was. Um, and yeah, we were discussing sort of the differences between sat in the audience in a theatre and sat in a cinema watching a film. And it is definitely a different feel. When you're when you're watching these sort of theatre productions when it's in front of you, when these people even in sort of even in silences. So like when, when actors are, for example, portraying or speaking a monologue, you'll hear them at some points pause to add sort of tension and drama to it mm. you know, it really when you're sat in the audience i like i remember that i think I, I did, when you experience this it, it's definitely it adds or it makes a lot of silence very i don't know how to explain it si silence is very loud mm. yeah. like loud silences where it's basically and, and all of this sort of emotion that you feel mm. especially when you hear when you see these sort of characters it's like you say you're not necessarily just watching these characters you're feeling them you're feeling the emotions said, that they're portraying you can walk into a theater 
at any point during a play and without looking at the stage you can feel what go- what's going on 100 mm. um the actors you you could you could walk into a theater and without hear before you hear any of the text before you see the costumes before you see the action you know what's happening because of the emotion in the room mm. absolutely Warwick, shall we hear another poem from you? Okay, um, this one, uh, it doesn't say who it is written by, but it is called A Suitcase Full of Dust. Brian Patton. Oh, it is Brian Patton. Mm. It says it on the front. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. I packed a suitcase. I put dust in it. And then more dust. I packed bits and pieces of what was still living. I packed a suitcase. A heart howled inside it. A face stared up up from it. Its tongue wagging in the dust. With each passing second, the complaints it made, it seemed more obsolete. I packed a suitcase full of dust. I went outside. I was afraid people would stop me and ask why I was travelling about with dust. There seemed nowhere to go but to another place of dust. I do not want dust. My blood is slow and full of dust, and your kiss is dust. I do not want dust. Your breath has changed pollen into dust. I do not want dust. Now when you speak, it's simply to speak of dust. And what was once love flops about in that dust. I do not want dust, swearing fidelity to all that is clean and free of dust. I pack a suitcase full of dust. Wow. Thank you so much, Warwick. Thank no you problem. Thank you. Reminding us of that poem. Very, very, very powerful. It's a beautiful poem, poem it, genuinely. It? Yeah. And although, you know, this repetition of the word dust is there, it's not a sad poem at all. Is it? No. Do you think? I, I'm... Again, it's, it's, it just definitely seems like whatever emotions are there, they're strong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's genuinely it's really good at sort of, I guess, projecting it. Yeah. Like projecting all of that strong emotion. It's fantastic. It's got a very bad press, Dust. Mm. But um, a very good provenance. There's no, no, you know, in the Bible, the Christian Bible, Ju- Judaic Bible, dust is what human beings are made of, isn't it? Yeah. Human, uh, dust is made of human beings. Exactly. It is dead skin cells. Oh, cheers. Looks like that. That's lovely. You're welcome. It was and, a nice and in Philip Pullman's, yeah. <laughs> in Philip Pullman's uh, novels, dust is this sort of sacred yeah. substance. It shows that someone's been there. You can't have dust without people, can you? I'm full of it today. Very good. (laughs) Let's have another poem, then we'll have another piece of music. And this is, again, another American poem. It's called The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds i come into the peace of wild things 
who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world, and am free.
Okay, that was Radiohead, No Surprises. This poem is, It is Time to Tidy Up Your Life, by Brian Patton, again. It is time to tidy up your life. Into your body has leaked this message. No conscious actions, no broodings have brought the thought upon you. It is time to take into account what has gone and what has replaced it. Living your life according to no plan, the decisions were numerous, and yet the ways you to go were always one. You stand between trees this evening. The cigarette cupped in your hand glows like a flower. The drizzle falling seems to wash away all ambition. There are scattered through your life too many dreams to entirely gather. So the soaked leaves the soaked grass, the earth scents, and distant noises, this one is reoccurring. It is time to take into account what has gone, to cherish it and replace it. You learnt early enough that the celebrations do not last forever. So what use now the sorrows that mount up? You must withdraw your love from that which would kill your love. There is nothing flawless anywhere, nothing that has not the power to hurt. As much as hate, tenderness is the weapon of one whose love is neither perfect nor complete. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. That one's brilliant. Isn't it? Why do you like that one? It's just, it, it's definitely, I would say, I would say it's definitely an eye-opener yeah. for a lot of, like, it's definitely like a what would be like a wake-up call in a poem yes. so definitely sort of it adds a perspective of life it adds this sort of what's it way another way of viewing how life should be lived how it sort of adds a way of um or it's a way of sort of i guess perceiving memory perceiving sort mm. of like perceiving how things so what things are and what things are now so like how things were how things are now things like that it's definitely impactful i would say very much i no wonder he he's he's so well thought of um 100%. Brian Patton. yeah and i think by the look of that book akira you're going to share another one of his I this am. is the brian Patton thing <laughs> and why I not really love why it. not let's hear it the innocence of any flesh sleeping sleeping beside you i dreamt i woke beside you waking beside you i thought i was dreaming have you ever slept beside an ocean well, yes, it is this. The whole motion of, of landscapes, of oceans, is within her. She is the innocence of any flesh sleeping. So vulnerable, no protection is needed. In such times, the heart opens, contains all there is, there being no more than her. In what country she is, I cannot tell. But knowing there is love, and it blots out all demons, she is safe. I can turn, sleep well beside her. Waking beside her, I am dreaming, dreaming of such wakings. I am to all love senses woken. I am to all love senses woken. That's Fantastic. very powerful. Very link, links with that. Fantastic. Yours, doesn't it? I love it so much. We love them in a million different ways, some mostly pretty imperfect. 
Very, very strong indeed. Thank you very much for that. Now, in, ca in case I don't get time to thank you both, let me do my thanks now. Kira, thank you so much for coming in and reading us your poems. Of course. Thank you for having me. Warwick, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with me and the dear listener and Peter the uh, poetry. Oh, no problem. It's been fantastic. Will you come back, both of you? Absolutely. Of oh, course. One of you. wonderful. So much nicer to hear your voices than my own. <laughs> um, and, uh, dear listener, the poems all have accidentally unified, I think, haven't they, around the themes of peace and, and love. And so that's peace very... And love and vibes. That's mm -hmm. a very serendipitous... Absolutely. Uh, ...concord. Now, we're going to go out on a piece of music, and uh, so... And the piece of music is, Kira, that you've chosen? Hard-headed woman, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Can't go with to, Elvis. You can't go wrong with Elvis. Now, next week is another vocable hour, and uh, I shall be leading that one again. I have accidentally constructed the program for this current season, meaning that only I am presenting vocable <laughs> hour, which is, I'm sure you, dear listener, a pure accident. We'll encourage you to listen further after next week because there'll be lots of other people on. And um, we're also going to be doing a wonderful surprise recording of a Dickens story between us, and that also will be something to look forward to in the coming weeks. So this is me, Danny Vasevich, saying thank you very much, Kira Tyra. And Jack Wills for coming. Jack Wills. <laughs> you got it on your t shirt. Yes. No. Warwick Wills. That's the one. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom, thoughts, and poetry. No and perhaps next time you're on, you might share with us some poetry that you've written. How about that? Okay. Keep that as a, as, a, as a possibility. And now let's leave. The dear listener, thank you so much for tuning in, dear listener, today to this week's Vocable Hour. And now we're going to hear Elvis Presley. Oh, well, a hard-headed woman, a soft-hearted man, been the cause of trouble ever since the world began. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Elvis since the world began. Oh, a hard-headed woman, been a thorn in the side of man. Oh, Adam told Eve, well, listen, yeah, to me. Don't you let me catch you messing around that apple tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Elvis since the world began. I keep you cutting, picking fingers out my curly hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Help me set the world begin. Oh, oh. A hard-headed woman with a thorn in the side of man. Oh, oh. I heard about a king who was doing swell. Till he started playing with that evil Jezebel. Oh, yeah. Help me set the world begin. Ever when the boy had cry around the clock, I hope you. Oh, yeah. Ever since the world began. Oh, yeah.